amen. Well, our choir did a wonderful job, didn't they? <laughs> wonderful. And some of those songs you just can't sit still for. I was trying really hard, but it's difficult when you're just in that spirit of worship and when God is just so good to you. There was a little girl who one day went to her mom holding her stomach. And she said, Mom, I don't feel well. My stomach is hurting. Her mom said, Honey, it's because it's empty and you need to put something in it. So the little girl ate and she felt better. Later that evening, the evangelist and his wife were over for dinner. The evangelist started holding his head and saying, oh, my head hurts and I, I just don't know why it's hurting so badly. The little girl smiled and she said, I have advice. He said, well, sweetheart, what is it? She said, your head is empty and you need to put something in it. <laughs> children. <laughs> For the past few weeks, we have been on the topic of revival. And today we will be looking at Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36. In the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, this is Peter addressing the crowd. We all want to see revival, but we have to understand what is required to have revival. There are certain things that are required in order to have revival, and today I just want to briefly point out some of the things that are required to have revival. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36. Acts chapter 2, starting from verse 36 to 41. And if you are able to, would you please stand with me as we read God's word. This is Peter's address to the crowd. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that indeed, Lord, we would see revival in our lifetime. We pray, Father, that you would stir up in our hearts a desire to know you and to serve you wholeheartedly, and that, Lord, your spirit would move and have its way. So, God, we commit now this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. The early church was growing rapidly. After the Holy Spirit had descended upon the disciples in the upper room, the church began to grow rapidly with the disciples preaching and teaching God's word and encouraging people to turn from the ways of the world. They were experiencing what we can say is revival. 
and we too can experience that revival today. Sometimes we may read God's word and we may say, well, why isn't this happening in our generation today? Why aren't we seeing signs and wonders? Why aren't we seeing people get healed in that way? The thing is, it is happening. We need to seek the Lord. He is the same God of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and today. And he is still able to. But there are certain things that revival requires. And number one is revival requires understanding that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. That Jesus is Lord and Messiah. This comes straight out of verse 36. He says, let all Israel be assured of this. Let everyone know that this is certain. That Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God and he is God alone. And in our generation, many people need to be reassured of this. There are so many questions. There are so many uncertainties. There are so many opinions and ideologies. But I assure you today, as Peter assured all of Israel, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Is he Lord of your life? And if he is Lord of your life, then what does that mean for you? You see, Jesus is well known. He is the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet he was crucified. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, Jesus is Lord and he is Lord alone. And Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 12 reminds us, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, one day, there is a day coming where every knee will bow, where every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's coming. Now is the time to worship. And the greatest gift and treasure are in store for those who choose him now. Those who choose him now. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other name. You see, in the name of Jesus, we find all that we need. The last song that the choir sang, the great I am. Have you ever wondered why God reveals himself as I am? It's because he is just too many things to confine himself to one name. So he says, I am. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your comforter. I am your strength. I am your deliverer. I am everything that 
that you need and more. He is our Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. And in my Bible, it tells me that no Mary, no Buddha, no Allah, nothing can save except for the name of Jesus. Only by the name of Jesus. Van Havner put it this way simply. He said, revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. Falling in love with Jesus. And you and I may love Jesus, but do we need to continually fall in love with him? Do we need to continually remind ourselves that we are amazed, saying, Lord, I'm amazed by you, how you love me, and we are changed by his love. Many people wonder in this world, and maybe even some of you, why do we need Jesus? Why does this world need Jesus? I saw this picture, and it sums it up so beautifully. It sums it up by saying that life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. That is why we need Jesus. We need Jesus every day. We need him. We need him because there is nothing else in this life. There's nothing else in this life that can save us. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin the cause. But Christ, he is the cure. Revival also requires realizing your sins and repenting. Revival requires us to realize our sins. You see, we can't repent and we can't change if we don't first realize what it is that we have done wrong. And in verse 37 and 38, he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means that they felt it deep. That means that they understood. They felt this guilt. They felt this shame. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? If we are sinners and we know that we are sinners, then what it is that we should do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. The bottom line is, my friends, that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of God's glory. We have fallen short of his standards and in front of a holy God, our sinfulness is revealed. And in front of a holy God, we cannot stand. But he simply says, I forgive you. Come and seek repentance and I forgive you. And that's all he wants us to do, to realize our sins and turn from our ways, to repent. And repenting means more than just being sorry. Repentance is actually changing the behavior and not continually doing the same thing over and over. Again, you see, the best apology that we could give God and the best apology that we could give other people is not only saying, I'm sorry, but it's changed behavior. It's changed behavior. And some of us need to go to God, acknowledge our sins, ask for forgiveness, and change our 
behavior? Is there something that you need to go to God and surrender and confess and ask him to forgive you for? Is there someone or a group of people that you need to go and ask forgiveness for? You see, it's not only about going to God, but maybe there's other people that you have hurt and have offended, and maybe you need to go and make right with those people and change your behavior, change your ways. It's time for many of us, and it's time for the world to stop making excuses, but to start changing and living lives that are pleasing to God. We need to take responsibility, and we need to repent. We need to. You see, there are, are many people who, who feel like if, if, they, if other people know what's wrong, then there'll be that guilt and their shame and, 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 and people won't understand and people will judge. And, and that's not how it should be. But you know, the unfortunate truth is that many times the church can be harder on people than God is. Many times the church will judge and will criticize and will remind people of their past more than God does. And we as a church and as a body of Christ need to be conscious of that. We need to love the way God loves. We need to forgive the way God forgives. We need to shower people and help them to feel accepted and loved and worthy because if they don't find it in here, then they will go out there. And we need to start as a church stepping up and loving people. The church should be a place where people find freedom from their past and from their sin, not a place where they feel judged. Are you hearing me this morning? We as the church need to make sure that we are doing our part as well. We as a church need to do that part. You see, revival also requires allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Allowing the Spirit to move. He says once you repent and be baptized and you are forgiven of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't give the Holy Spirit as much regard and honor and respect as we should. We acknowledge God the Father, we acknowledge God the Son, but what about the Holy Spirit? You see, it's so beautiful that God sent his presence before the people in the Old Testament by a, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. He gave them the Ark of the Covenant to signify his presence. Then in the New Testament, we see Jesus, Emmanuel, God, with us. And today, we have God not only with us, but in us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, we need to allow the Spirit to work in our lives. We need to allow him free reign to move and to speak and to act and to have his way because he will not just do it if we don't allow him that opportunity to. You see, it's only by God's Spirit that we can be changed and transformed from the inside out. Is there something that you need to ask the Spirit to help you to change, to transform? Maybe you need to get rid and stop doing some of the things that you are doing. Maybe you need to ask God to help you to overcome by His Spirit the different addictions that may be in your life. Maybe an anger problem 
maybe something else that's going on in your life. There are so many things that we constantly need to go to God for. And we can truly say with the songwriter, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, I need thee. We need God. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to move and to work in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings about conviction. The Holy Spirit uh, reminds us. The Holy Spirit helps us to change. And I know that this is on a completely side note, but yesterday on our prayer vigil, many people prayed for their loved ones. They prayed for salvation for children. They prayed salvation for young people, which we should pray and which is good. But you know, one of the wonderful things that we can do as parents, as guardians, as grandparents is instill in our children from a young age the biblical teachings, to instill in them. And you can do that at home and that's great. But I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to bring them to Sunday school. Bring them to Sunday school. There are very few places that they will get biblical teachings, but Sunday school is one of them. The Word of God says, train up your child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart you see even if they choose to go a different way they have that foundation and they will come back but if you don't give them that chance you see in this world there are so many things that go against them but at least do this for them instill in them that biblical foundation. And you know what, adults? There are adult classes as well. So when you come and you bring your children and grandchildren, then you can come to Sunday school as well and instill in them that. Allow the spirit to move in your life and allow him to move without borders. Allow him free reign, amen? Amen. He will take you out of your comfort zone if you are willing to let him. Revival also requires getting rid of hindrances in your life. See, not only is it important for us to go to God realizing our sins and asking him to forgive us, but we need to get rid of that which is holding us back, that which is causing us to constantly stumble, that which is not helping us but hindering us in our relationship with the Lord. In verse 40, Peter says, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves from it. He urged the church to watch out, to not be swayed by this generation, to not be swayed about what's going on in this world. And unfortunately, there is a lot of corruption in our world. Unfortunately, there is a lot that is going on that shouldn't be. There is a lot that's going on that's just grieving God's heart. The word of God says that yes, we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. That we are to constantly be renewing our mind, asking God to transform us, asking God to help us. And we need to get rid of the things that are holding us back and the things that are causing us to stumble in our relationship with God. If we want to see revival, we need to get rid of them and leave them behind. If you've ever seen, how many of you have ever seen runners in a race? whether the Olympics or whether you're watching it live or you've seen runners in a race. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have. Do you ever notice that when a runner is running, 
He's not holding. Cindy, you put your hand up. You ever notice that when a runner is running, he's not holding a lot of things with him. He's not wearing heavy clothing. He's not wearing a lot of things that'll weigh him down. Why? Because he wants to go fast, right? Because he wants to win, because he wants to go, and those things are just going to slow him down, they're going to weigh him down, and he's not going to be able to properly finish the race that he's in. It's the same thing in life, my friends. If we want to finish this race, we need to leave behind the things that are weighing us down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Apostle Paul tells us, throw off the things that are hindering. Leave them behind. If you want to finish this race and finish it well, leave it behind. The sin that so easily entangles. You see, my friends, we live in a corrupt generation. And we, as the body of Christ, we as a church need to stand firm in what we believe in. We need to stand firm and preach and teach without compromise. We need to stand firm and live the word of God out. We need to stand firm and when everybody seems to be going left, you go right. We need to be willing to do that. What is it in your life that you need to get rid of? What are those hindrances that are holding you back? Maybe it's a toxic relationship that you're in, a relationship that you know is not going anywhere and is not pleasing to God. Maybe it's some form of bad habits that you have. Maybe it's addictions or an ungodly lifestyle. Maybe it's bad company that you're keeping or following. Maybe it's people who are encouraging you to sin and to gossip and to do things you know that God is not happy with. Whatever it is, we need to get rid of and throw off. You see, in this generation and in this world, everybody wants to be politically correct. Everybody wants to be politically correct. Why? Because nobody wants to offend anybody. But you know the person that we are offending is God. We want to be careful not to offend anyone except for God. And it's time that we start to please him and not the other way around. Throw off everything that so easily entangles. A father wanted to read the paper, but he was being bothered by his little girl. Finally, he took out a sheet of paper from his magazine on which was printed the world map. Tearing it up into small pieces, he gave it to his little daughter, and he says, you go in the next room, and when you put this all back together, then bring it back to me. He figured it would take her hours. He figured that he would get some peace and quiet, and that it wouldn't uh, be easy to put it together, because she would have to know which countries border which to be able to put the world back together. In about five minutes, she came back. She showed him the piece of paper all taped together, and he said, it looked at it, studied it for a minute, and he said, everything is correct. Everything is in place as it should be. How is it that you know where everything should go and you were able to put the world back together so quickly? She says, well, Daddy, on the flip side of the paper, there's a picture of Jesus. 
And she says, and once Jesus was in the center and put together, the world came together and everything was in place. You see, when we put Jesus back together, when we keep him at the center, everything in the world just falls into place. And he says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else will be added onto you. Don't seek the things of this world, but seek after me. And when we seek Jesus with all that we are, we will find not only him, but we will find true revival. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, for your power, for your authority that has no boundaries, no limits, and no end. We thank you, God, that there is nothing that is impossible for you to do. And this morning, Lord, we acknowledge that you indeed are the great I am. And so, Father, we pray for your church. We pray for your people. We pray for ourselves that your Holy Spirit would come and move and have free reign. We pray, God, that you would help bring about conviction in our life, that you would help to bring about change, that, Lord, you would remind us who you are, your power. Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep you, Jesus, at the center of our lives and the center of our world. And, God, we pray that you would enable us and empower us to get rid of the things in our life, to get rid of the things in our world that are holding us back from a true relationship with you. And so God, may you change, may you transform, and may you challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Family members,